Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 7, Episode 21 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is Life and Death, Part 1. And in Germany, the title is The Turning Circle of Life. The IMDb user synopsis is Chandler's father is dying. Eric tries to get Chandler and his father to talk before he dies. Simon asks Cecilia to the prom. Ruthie has problems, but does not want to talk about it. Mary has news for her father. Sarah thinks she is pregnant. So, what was your first impression of this episode? I kind of felt like they put so much into this episode. Um, So I know that usually, uh, well, obviously this is the first part of the two-part season finale, as is tradition, on Seventh Heaven. Um, And I guess I've been used to, like, there being only, like, three or so, three or four storylines in one episode, or at least, like, even storylines, I feel like. But this one, they gave every single person, and even people that... (laughs) Even people that were just introduced in this episode. (laughs) Like, an entire, entire moments on screen, which, like, need to be discussed. I felt like it was jam-packed. Um... We, but I kept it moving, which I enjoyed. No, I did. I actually, I enjoyed the episode completely, but I like looking back on it, I'm just like, so much happened, which always makes me like excited for the second part of the two-part season finale, but I know this show will disappoint. Um, something interesting for our listeners, um, so this is the first time in Seventh Heaven history where we've had three two-part episodes in one season, and this is the third one, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, so we're going to get started with the cold open, um, where we are in New York. Um, so Matt is at the hospital in his scrubs, and uh, he's just doing his, his thing. thing. Um, he's, we, we just see the back of his head, so like it's like not clear that it's him. And um, he goes into a room where there is a pregnant woman um, that he asks how she is or whatever, and the pregnant woman is played by Beverly Hills housewife Kyle Richards, who is also most notably known, well, obviously, as being a Beverly Hills housewife, but also when she was a child, she was on Little House on the Prairie, so, and apparently Kyle Richards is also on Seventh Heaven. I wonder if she's, like, friends with Brenda Hampton or something. Um, I just feel like she probably was just taking, like, bit parts and Oh, right, just to, like... Things. Because she's been in a few other shows just as, like... I mean, I don't have the list in front of me, but, like, most notably from Little House on the Prairie, but, like, in between... Um, her childhood. Her childhood and, and before, like, the Housewives franchise started up, she was on, like, different shows and, like, small roles. Um. So, uh, as Aaron mentioned, this uh, Kyle... I don't think they give her, like, a name. No, she's, just a she's the anonymous uh, pregnant lady. Um, her, her being pregnant is, like, a very important part of this episode. It's kind of like a... It tips you off to the whole episode. Yeah. Um, and once... I think he's taking blood. So once Matt's done taking blood, he runs into Sarah, um, and they go into the supply closet. Very Grey's Anatomy. I've never seen Grey's Anatomy, so maybe it's not Grey's Anatomy. I have... But... Uh, yeah, and I'm also unfamiliar with Grey's Anatomy, so... Um, but, uh, oh, my, like, little harp about this was that two episodes uh, episodes ago, they couldn't ha- get Sarah to come for the wedding, and but she's here. Maybe they didn't want to pay for her... They, it's just budgeting. Budgeting, I guess. 
It's yeah. annoying, though. Um, so Sarah is sick, and by sick, they think that she might be pregnant. Uh, but in a surprise twist on Seventh Heaven, she doesn't want to be pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, well, I mean, there's the, Matt and Sarah are students, and they, um, they obviously, medical school is hard, and having a child in medical school, um, I imagine, is... Even harder. Having, having a child is difficult, and being in medical school is difficult, so... Adding both those together. Yeah. Um, we find out that she's on the pill, though, um, which is the first... I feel like this is the first mention of... Birth control, control. ever yeah. on Seventh Heaven, um, which is a... F- I believe it's true because it definitely in the previous episodes where they talk about um, like teen sex or whatever, it seems like they're like abstinence or nothing. Um, and this specifically, uh, uh, this this is another thing that comes up: uh, birth control, which is um, in correspondence to at the time National Day to Prevent Teen Pregnancy. So this episode was like an homage to that. Apparently, uh, National Day to pre- Prevent uh, Teen Pregnancy took place, like, the Wednesday before this episode aired. So they made an entire episode about it? Yeah, except there's no teens that are pregnant. Right. In this episode. Or even suspected of being, being pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, exactly. All of the, like, potential pregnancies are... Adults. Yeah. Um, so that's the cold open, and we have a lot to get through today, so we're going to get started with... Um, yeah, so the reason, so come back from the cold open, and we're in, we're in the hospital, but we are there because through, through another conversation, we learned that the Rev is going to visit Chandler's, or to, to go talk to Chandler's father, um, to see if he'll come around and let, um, Chandler come visit him before he dies. So, we see the Rev going to this hospital, like, he's going to the hospital, he runs into Matt, isn't that great, um, and then... They, he goes into a hospital room where there's a man outside of the door. He is a bit of... Do, do you know who this yeah. plays this man? Okay, good. Um, so the uh, the actor is Dan Loria. Um, very easily recognizable as uh, the father, Jack Arnold, from The Wonder Years. Um, he was also uh, played like a, a recurring role for about two seasons on The Good Wife. But he also has a lot of bit parts and a bunch of things. I feel like he was definitely on like The Sopranos at some point. Yeah, and like he's been on a bunch of episodes of Law and Order. He's like all over the place. Um, he's very like blunt. Uh, in the episode, I'm sorry, uh, he played the character he's playing as we're, we are led to believe that he's the roommate of the other person that's in the room. He's very, like, rude, he's very blunt, and he kind of, like, brushes the rev off. And he says that uh, ha- that Mr. Hampton is inside the hospital room. So we go into the hospital room, and we are introduced to Mr. Hampton, who's played by Orson Bean, who... Sorry, I couldn't read my own handwriting. Who's most well-known for being on Desperate Housewives. Also other things, but I'm just going to say it's Desperate Housewives. Now... We'd like to point out a couple of things here, if you're not watching the episode with us specifically. Um, so the Dan, uh, the character Dan Loria is playing is much younger, um, right? And the guy in the hospital bed, who we're led to believe is Andrew Hampton, is much older. Yes. Um, so yeah, they there's a conversation that happens basically where the Rev's like, uh, Chandler should be here. And he's like, I don't want him to be here. And he's like, I'm, you know, it's okay that Sid sees me because um, I, um, like, Sid and I are, are more similar and we've both made um, mistakes in our lives. So I'm more comfortable. But but Chandler, you know, like, basically he's like, he'll judge me or something like, you know, something to that effect is what, what 
You get the idea. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of surprising. It was surprising for me as a viewer, just because we're led to believe that uh, Chandler's father is, like, very mean. And and this was, like, a sweet, sweet old man. Who, like, likes to lay in his bed like he's in a coffin. Yes. <laughs> um, he looks like he was already dead when the Rev arrived. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, uh, spoiler alert, I it's, like, <laughs> it's not. It's <laughs> not Chandler's father. Um, so I picked this up almost immediately, <laughs> where Aaron was like, I don't think so. <laughs> but, like, I think it was mostly because I realized that they wouldn't use Dan Loria as, like, that small of a bit player on this episode. Like, he clearly needed yeah. to be somebody more important. I would not have realized it if it was, like, any other actor. I just knew that that actor was going to, like, have more of a role. Yeah. Um, but I was doubting myself through a lot of it, because I was like, wait, maybe it is him. Maybe they are just going to give the roommate some stupid storyline, because Seventh Heaven has done that, where they've not focused on the thing they're supposed to focus on. But yeah, um, so we figure it out mostly because um, we get the, like, later on in the episode, the Reverend calls Chandler, and Chandler's like, my dad's not nice, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, uh... So, I mean, that's, like, really this storyline. Like, the Rev is like, I wish I could have changed your mind, Mr. Chandler's father, but I can't. And we do, like, it's revealed that this is not really Chandler's father when we see Dan Loria talking to um, the older gentleman who is pretending to be Mr. Hampton. And he's like, all you got to do is, like, he's going to come back and visit one more time. You just need to, you know, pretend you're me. Um, and, and, uh, this guy's like, okay, it's another thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, uh, this kind of storyline ends with Chandler deciding that he's going to go back to New York, uh, to see his father. Um, so, so far the ref has not been like told about his mistake. So that might be a fun reveal. Obviously there's going to be a, some big confrontation between Chandler and his father. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what happens in the next episode. Um, so next we'll move on to Matt and Sarah. Right. So we mentioned that, um, Sarah is sick and she thinks she might be, she thinks she might be pregnant. Um, so a lot of the scenes between Matt and Sarah are one, not telling the Rev about what's going on. And second, figuring out what they're going to do if she is pregnant and just like little like bits and fights between the two. Right. Um, there, yeah, there is, like, one little fight where, um, so, another continuity error, in my opinion, Sarah's like, oh, well, I think, after she finds out that she is not pregnant, spoiler alert, um, she says, like, I think I might just go visit my family this weekend, um, I'm gonna go see them in Florida or something, um, and... When did they end up in Florida? Right, because the last, I, last I checked, they were in Glen Oak. Um, but, and, and Matt gets angry because he's like, oh, well, if you were pregnant, you were planning on going anyway, so you could go and tell them alone without me. Um, so there's like little fights there, here and there. But almost immediately she like calls him on his cell phone and he's like, she's like, I'm sorry. And he goes, I'm sorry. And then they tell each other they love each other. Um, Aaron and I were discussing that, I don't know, they, I like their relationship. I like them together. They have a very normal, real life relationship, so it's nice to watch that when you have, like, other very strange things going on on the rest of the relationship front on 7th Heaven. Yeah. Um, just some other things about their storyline. Um, so one of the doctors, uh, 
or the doctor who seems to be Matt's boss or Matt's supervisor at least keeps on catching Matt like not working. So like one scene he's with the Rev, another he's with Sarah, another one he's caught in the supply room with Sarah. And I like kept on saying that this doctor looks really familiar. Um, but it turns out it's not because he's from a different show. It's because he's a doctor. From this show? <laughs> um, so if you recall, you know, our faithful listeners, there was a doctor that was consistently the family doctor on 7th Heaven for the first, I want to say, four seasons. Like four. Yeah, like the guy who, like, when they thought Mary was pregnant, the guy who, like, called and gave them that news. Um, yeah. So Every the, time the Rev was in the hospital. He, yeah. When Mary messed up her knee, like, all that stuff, it was the same guy. So what Seventh Heaven did was just take him from the West Coast and put him on the East Coast and just didn't say a word. It's just him. We're just supposed to not remember. <laughs> but we did, obviously, because yeah. uh, we're avid viewers. Um <laughs> The other, uh, like, important part of the storyline is obviously the fact that even though Sarah's not pregnant, everybody finds out that she is pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so this happens with a very special guest star who's not given enough credit to be on this episode, uh, Marsha Wallace, who... Who voiced Mrs. Krabappel on The Simpsons, um, it, plays this nurse, and I think you had said she, it was the first or the only primetime... It was the first primetime appearance... Of hers, like physically, yeah, on um, on TV outside of The Simpsons, obviously since nineteen ninety eight, because uh, she used to be on the Bob Newhart show. She played a character named Carol, um, so she is the, one of the nurses who loves having Matt around and basically calls uh, the Rev Grandpa, and this kind of like fuels the fire. Um, so the Rev in his hurry to, like, share the good news instead of talking to Matt or to Sarah, talks to Annie. Annie, who is not doing a good job of being a mother this episode. No, but it was it made for <laughs> hilarity, <laughs> so I don't mind. Um, so Annie, in this scene specifically, we'll explain why this matters once we talk about the rest of the episode, but she's just lying in bed, reading a magazine, eating some chocolate... And she gets a phone call from the Rev, and he kind of hangs up on her by saying, all right, good night, Grandma. And then she just kind of looks uh, horrified. We're definitely going to try to screenshot this one for our <laughs> viewers, or listeners, or viewer, whoever you are. <laughs> listeners, viewers. Um, so the next day, she's kind of like, she calls Sarah, and there's kind of that miscommunication where she's like, you should be resting. And Sarah's like, yeah, I'm tired all the time already. <laughs> just like, <laughs> but like, oh, ha, ha, it's because she's in medical school. Not because she's ha- gonna have a kid. Um, their phone call ends because, oh, there you, oh, so this is one of the first, ep- well, not one of the first, but I feel like an episode where we saw a lot of cell phone usage. Yes. Um, so Sarah's like, phone dies. So, and she's not horrified about it. I was just thinking about the fact that anytime my phone dies, I'm like, I need to charge it. It's near dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and instead of keeping, again, like nobody has actually verified this information to the Rev or Annie. Uh, Annie decides to tell Lucy. This is at the end of the episode. Um, and she's like, well, Lucy's like, well, that doesn't make any sense because, you know, they're in medical school. Like, why would they try to have kids? And Annie's like, well, sometimes birth control doesn't work. Um, and 
somehow the date comes up. Someone says, like, oh, it's the 12th or whatever. And Lucy gets this, like, horrified look over her face, and she's like, it's the 12th? And then she grabs a newspaper to verify that it's the 12th. So we're supposed to get the idea that she has, like, her period is late or, you know, so, and now she she just realized it right now. Um, so, yeah, with, uh, the message on this is apparently, uh, like... I think the message was supposed to be abstinence. Yeah. Um, because... Even birth control doesn't work sometimes. Yeah, because Annie says that she had the twins while she was on birth control. Yes. Um, and this is the last thing about, I'm going to say about this, but we forgot to mention the cold open. When Sarah says she's on the pill, uh, Matt goes, I guess I'm just stronger than, than any pill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. that noise. Um, so that's it for that storyline. Yeah, so... We'll stick, um, with, we'll stick with Lucy, though, for now. Yeah, so Lucy gets a few um, phone calls in this. Well, no, she gets one phone call, uh, but it is from Mary. Yeah, and Mary. Well, Mary first calls, and Ruthie picks up, and Ruthie has no patience for Mary, and she's like, "Something's obviously wrong because you're calling the house looking for Dad, but Dad's not home." She hangs up. Mary calls Lucy back, and she's like, I forget exactly what who she's... She's like, when is Dad going to be home? Um, I need to speak with him. Like, I did something stupid, and I don't think we ever find out. Or, like, just... I don't think Lucy finds out, I'm, I mean, yeah, yeah, to say. So, um, now we're on the edge of our seat about, like, what's up with Mary? I, I, um, Aaron made the point to say that it makes it kind of seem like maybe Mary's pregnant, Um I think on on one of the phone calls, either with Ruthie or with Lucy, she finds out that the Rev is in New York, and then she finds out that the Rev is staying with Matt, and she specifically asks that nobody tell Annie that Mary's Mary's done something stupid. Um, so there's that. Uh, sticking again with Lucy, uh, at uh, Lucy runs into Tara Lipinski <laughs> on the promenade, who is playing someone that she once had a class with when she well. Uh, th- yeah, someone she had a class with at school, whose name is Christine. Um, so Christine is well. I'd just like to say she's wearing like her fashion choices. First of all, um, we, which we haven't. We have to more. start there. Yeah. Um, this is. I feel like it's a double denim outfit. They're like lo- like faded blue jeans. You know, like the like like no, what is it called? Washed. What? White. Uh, white. Like wait, 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 wait. There's like. Acid washed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's acid washed. But then there's also just, like, light wash. Maybe they're light washed. Light washed. They're light washed blue jeans, and then they they add um, a jacket on top that is the exact same color and style um, with, like, of the the jeans. And it, I don't know, it's like some sort of Canadian tuxedo outfit that's not that... It's very 2000s, that's all I have to say. Yeah, so she pulls up, and she, and she has a seat next to Lucy, and she's like, I don't know exactly, the first they start talking about school, and she's like, oh, you're going to be, you know, a minister, right? I hope to be a teacher. We find out the class they had together was creative writing. Um, it seems like Christine is no longer in school right now, but she doesn't ever come out and say it. She's just like, um, because, like, I think Lucy says something like, maybe we'll have another class together, and... Um, she's kind of like cagey and is like, yeah, maybe, I don't know right now. But so, um, we somehow learn that Christine is like, oh, well, yeah, I, my apartment building, I'm, I'm out of it for like two days or something because everyone in my building has dogs and I don't have a dog, but 
anyway, all the dogs got fleas and they need to basically like bug bomb the apartment. So everybody's got to be out for 48 hours. Um, she says that she makes money by being a dog walker. Um, and that's how she pays for like her apartment and putting herself through school. Um, there's really not much else that happens in this conversation. Well, other than the fact that Lucy invites her to go home with her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yep, that happened. So basically, because Lucy's a Camden and her father's daughter, and because ever since uh, Mary and Matt have left the Camden house, they need to have the Camden house full at all times. Um, well, I guess Lucy's left it too now because she's in the garage. Yeah. Um, so Lucy's like, there's plenty of room at R, so you can stay... At our place, and uh, Tara Lipinski, I'm going to continue calling her Tara Lipinski. I know her character name is Christine, but I'm going to call her Tara Lipinski. It basically says, um, but you don't know me. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. which was exactly what our reaction yes. was. You're just inviting this stranger in your home. So in the next scene, we have, well, obviously Tara Lipinski says, yes, thank you very much. <laughs> and the next scene, we have her introduced to Simon. Now, Simon is um, in a hurry trying to go after Ruthie, which we'll get to uh, later. So he's not being the most polite. But Christine, Tara Lipinski's character, is very into Simon. Uh, Please remember that Tara Lipinski is at least a sophomore in college, probably maybe older, but definitely at least a sophomore in college. Um, And she's intrigued by 17-year-old Simon. Yes. Um... The next time we kind and like the the rest of like this Lucy storyline is really only centered around Christine, in that. um, So yeah, so there's this weird scene when Annie is not um, being a parent, where it's like basically like a girls' night, and it's the strangest group of people that you you could have gathered. Um, So it's uh, Roxanne, Lucy, uh, Christine, Ruthie, and Cecilia, and. They get to talk, since Christine, Tara Lipinski, is a stranger, they start asking her just, like, some questions, um, and she's like, oh, I have a boyfriend, he's a police officer, and Roxanne is like, oh, well, who is it? I might know him. Um, that, she's like, she immediately gets, like, disturbed, um, by the fact that, like, there are co- she seems disturbed when, first she asks Lucy, she's like, oh, your husband's a cop? Then, um, it's, then she, when Roxanne kind of presses a little bit further, she's like, oh, well, um, all I'm going to do is tell, I'll tell you that my, my boyfriend's name is Mike. Uh, so it's like the most generic name, of course. So, um. Something is up. Something suspicious. Yes. Supposed to signal to the audience that she's definitely lying, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, Roxy kind of spends the rest of the episode trying to figure out who Christine is. She, like, calls Kevin up, who's having a boys' night of his own with Simon and uh, Chandler. Um, and they try to figure out who this Mike is, but there's no luck. And But uh, Roxanne's basically like, something's up with this chick. And she kind of gives Ruthie the go-ahead to keep on looking into her. Um, Christine continues to be suspicious um, when she is getting, co- like, she literally is caught getting cookies out of a cookie jar, um, in a very skimpy... She's basically in her underwear. Yeah. She's got, like, a, a tank top on and, and, like, short shorts. Yeah. 
uh, floral short shorts, and this is when she runs into Simon. And Simon obviously has lived with women all his life, so he's seen them in all types of garb. Yeah, so he's not phased by it, but obviously Christine's going to take this, I don't know, moment to seduce this man. Uh, and by man, I mean boy. Um, so she, uh, earlier in the episode, uh, she's found out about the prom dilemma between Simon and Cecilia, which we'll get into in a bit. And so she kind of offers herself up on a platter to Simon. Um, we do not figure, well, we, we learn that, um, well, I think Lucy starts getting a little suspicious about Christine because she's like, you're not trying to, like, break up my brother. Like this high school couple. Yeah. And then Christine's like, no, don't be silly. Just because we're going to prom together. And that's kind of where it stops. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if Cecilia knows that they're going to prom together. I don't know if they're going to go to prom together. I think Simon's an idiot for thinking he's going to go to prom with another girl. Like, No matter who it is. Yeah. Like, yeah, so... And we obviously some oh oh we forgot to mention one big another big thing that signaled to us that she's a liar the dog walker oh, thing oh yes so she's like going to the bathroom in the Camden house and Peter uh, catches her and uh, he well okay he doesn't like catch her in the yeah th- that was, <laughs> um, so she so um, Tara Lipinski is about to go into the bathroom and Happy comes out of like the adjacent bedroom. I think it's Simon's room. And she's like acting weird and she's like, shoo, shoo. Um, and trying to like kind of like, she doesn't actually touch the dog, but it looks like she's like trying to like push it away. Um, she's if, clearly, if that makes sense. She's clearly uncomfortable yeah. with dogs. She does not like dogs. And Peter is like, oh, um, you know, you, you don't need to be afraid. It's that Happy's like nice. Um, so, yeah. So, again, another thing about Christine that's off. Um, so we don't know what it is that's off about her. There's, there is something, obviously. She's been, she's lied about everything so far, we assume. So, who knows? Um, Erin kind of hypothesized that maybe she's homeless. But I'm gonna say, based on the clothes that she's wearing, and the fact that her hair is done, that maybe she's not. Well, you also spoiled yourself. No, but this was before I spoiled myself. (laughs) I don't think she's homeless. Okay. Um, That is all I'm going to say. So we'll really quickly get into, um, I think we can talk about Simon and Cecilia now, right? Yeah, sure. So uh, as we said, um, Simon and Cecilia are having this argument about the prom. Cecilia doesn't want to go because it is expensive for her. She needs to buy a dress. She needs to get her hair and makeup done. There's a lot of things that, a lot of expense for her and not that much of an expense for Simon. Um, and she just doesn't want to go. I Uh, think this is pretty, like a pretty great, like a pretty good argument. It is true. It's really expensive for one night. Like you, you usually never wear your prom dress ever again. No. But I do feel like this is another missed opportunity for this, like underlying Cecilia and Simon, like, storyline where they could have been like, you know, prom night usually leads to sex. That's why I don't want to go. Like, I don't know some, you know, yeah, because Simon does offer to pay for, uh, he was like, I'll cover all of your expenses. Um, and that'll be fine. We can go. Um, so that, I mean, is yeah, that's re- it. like other than that, like Tara Lipinski's like, I'm going to take your Simon to the prom. You take your Simon to the prom. That's exactly. Well, no, like, you're, yeah. I was going to say your brother, but 
that was to no one in particular. So, um, so very quickly before we get into the last storyline, which is Ruthie's, just want to discuss. Um, so we mentioned in the last episode that Roxanne has decided that she wants to wait until marriage to um, have sex with. Chandler, I keep on forgetting his name. I want to call him Richard. I like it's not that's not his name. He looks like a Richard though. He does look like a Richard. Um, but Roxanne, um, and that like kind of, kind of continues. This is apparent. Like uh, again, um, he's really horny. <laughs> he like constantly wants to be around her, and she's playing hard to get, and it's working for her. So we have a couple of scenes of that where he's kind of making a fool out of himself. So you know, when we mentioned the scene where there was a girls' night happening, there's a boys' night happening on the opposite end, and. Chandler's on the phone with her and kind of being really desperate. Um, and he also says at, right before he leaves to go to uh, New York that when he comes back, he's going to ask her a question that he's wanted to ask her since Valentine's Day. And obviously this is the will you marry me question because this is, is when... Is it? I, because, well, this is Maybe when, it's like we should break up. <laughs> well, this is when he brought up marriage in the first place, right? He said... Was during Valentine's Day, I think. Right. And um, I also think it's kind of ridiculous that he wants to marry her now because he wants to have sex with her. <laughs> like that's what the obvious thing is. Right. Um, I think that's it for everybody else in this episode. So we're gonna move on to Ruthie. Yeah, yeah. So um, Ruthie is awful to everyone the entire episode from the get go. It starts with a con- like a conversation with Annie where. I forget exactly even what they talk about, but it ends with Ruthie storming away and being upset with Annie. Um, oh, Ruthie has some weird opinions about the fact that Paris is back to work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't really make any sense that she has any opinions. Um, so that's her deal. Uh, uh, then she's rude to Simon. She wants Simon to get off the phone. Um, and then she, like, locks herself in the bathroom, in the attic, and won't talk to Simon. And we have this, like, nice scene, kind of, between Simon and Ruthie. This is one of those relationships that have been there from the first episode of Seventh Heaven, where Simon's like, I'm your favorite sibling, you need to talk to me. But she's not saying anything. Peter comes over. Ruthie is supposed to have been crying. Doesn't look doesn't, like Yeah, <laughs> he's like, have you been crying? Why do you look like you've been crying? She just, plot twist, she does not look like she's been crying. And Ruthie's kind of very temperamental with him. Um, then she's really temperamental during the girls' night. Then she kind of le Like, there's a weird... Okay, so a lot of the problem we had with the girls' night, boys' night thing was the fact that, why is Cecilia still there? Right, and then Peter was also putting the twins to bed, and we were like, where was Annie <laughs> during any of this? And, I mean, yeah, why was Cecilia there? Why was Peter there? It's just... Why was Christine there? <laughs> right, well, yes, more, most important question. Um, so Peter's leaving, and he's like, I don't know what's going on with you. You know you can talk to me, right? And Ruthie's like, just leave. <laughs> um, and the next day, I guess, like, it's her, like, whatever has been going on is, like, calmed down a bit. And Peter's like, I know what's happening with you. My mother and I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and he and we all figured it out too. We figured Obviously, it immediately. Ruthie is getting her period, and that's the whole thing. I was so pissed with how they decided to portray this. 
this very cliche, like, women can't control themselves. They have too many emotions. Ah, like, thing they had Ruthie do. Like, it was very Lucy of her. Yeah, no, actually. Like, I get when Lu- Lucy gets emotional because Lucy's entire character is emotional, so it doesn't matter that they make her really emotional. But, yeah. like, Ruthie's steadfast, like, she's pretty steadfast and calm all the time. She only gets super emotional when there's, like, stakes. You know, like, when everything happened, went down with Mary, when she was afraid that her parents were going to divorce, when she was afraid that, like, the Rev was going to die. Like, all these, like, moments like that. But most of the time, she's pretty, like, she's just super sassy and super, like... Chill. Yeah. So to have her act this way, to kind of push home the point that she's getting her period or she's on her period, was so unnecessary and also, like, so blatant and, like, not done well, in my opinion, and even if they were doing it for comedic relief, it was like not funny. No, I don't think that. I don't think they were even trying to be funny at all. I think it was just like straight up signaling to us, like, "Oh, Ruthie is a woman now," and also life and death. That was this whole, you know, yeah. the circle of life type thing. So the episode kind of for for Ruthie, the episode kind of ends basically with Peter like accompanying her to the pharmacy where she buys her first box of tampons, and, uh, it's, and we learn that. Peter usually buys the tampons for his mother because the clerk, like, knows him and is like, oh, this isn't your usual brand, Peter. Which is, I think, really nice. I think it's, I I do have to applaud 7th Heaven on this. I feel like a lot of the times they've kind of, like, kept the, the, like, female issues to the females and the male issues to the males. Like, Kevin's very, I feel like this this would not be a thing that Kevin would ever do. You know what I mean? So to have, like, somebody like Peter like, be exposed to something like that from, like, exposed to periods and, like, uh, all that stuff from the very beginning is, I think it's progressive. So that's awesome. Um, And Ruthie, the reason that she doesn't want to tell her family is because she doesn't want to have a big dinner, which is just, come on, Ruthie. Yeah, they're like, they'll make a big deal out of it. And I was like, that sounds delightful. Yeah. A big dinner. Anyway. Yeah. I'm sure you'll get your favorite meal, like. Yeah. But yeah, that's where we're at. So it's surprising, though, because the only person that knows that she's on her period is Peter. Right, and it was this huge deal when it was Lucy. And and that was, like, the first episode again. Um, So that's where we're at. There are some cliffhangers, like, is Lucy pregnant? Is Mary pregnant? Will anybody tell... Is is anyone pregnant? Will anybody tell uh, the Rev and Annie that Sarah isn't pregnant? Um what's going to happen with Chandler and his father or his fake father. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm curious to know what's going to happen with his fake father. I mean, and I th- for both of us, I think the most important storyline for us is who is Christine and what <laughs> is she doing? <laughs> yes. Very strange. For anyone uh, that doesn't know who Tara Lipinski is, just, just like, because we didn't mention it. She's a gold medalist figgle, fig, figgle skater. Figgle skater. <laughs> Figure skater. Um, and most recently, she was, like, the face of the Olympics. Her, wait, wasn't her and Johnny Weir? Yeah, they, Johnny yeah. Weir. Yeah, they were the commentators for the figure skating uh, in, like, for Google Home or something. And people loved them, from what I understand. I understood that people hated them, so. <laughs> So there we well, go. We've got conflicting. <laughs> there we go. We run in different circles. Clearly. Um, uh, so that is it uh, for this episode. What are you gonna rate it? Oh, I was very engaged Same. throughout. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna gi- I'm gonna give this 
I'm going to give it a five. Oh, wow. I don't know. See, it's hard to tell because it's it's one of those supposed to be a cliffhanger, part one of two parts. So we don't know how they're going to hand, like, they could screw it all up and, and just, you know, give it all away in the next, in the first, like, five minutes of the next episode. Which they probably will. They um, probably will. I'm going to actually give this a six. I really enjoyed this. Is that the highest rating ever awarded? I've given a bunch of sixes. I think I've actually also given a 6.5 before, but I have not given the elusive seven. <laughs> Maybe I have given an elusive seven. I'm going to go back through my ratings. No one will ever get the full Ruthie. <laughs> no, not... Well, I feel like you said that there is an episode that will get a full Ruthie in the future. Well, when I think about it now, I mean, it's so bad, it's good. That's It's <laughs> one of those. It's... it's yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so... We, if you want to see what Annie's doing instead of parenting, or any, or, or if you, if you want to see, I don't know, Kyle Richards um, squirming around pregnant, or maybe you want to see what Sarah looks like recently, or fake and real Andrew Hampton, uh, we will probably have all those up for you on our Instagram and our Twitter, which our handles are at Cast Show, or they'll be on our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash CamdenCast. Um, if you want to talk to us about anything or any feelings you have or want to correct us or tell anything, you can email us at CamdenCast at gmail.com. We upload new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday, which are available on Stitcher, on SoundCloud.com slash CamdenCast, and on the iTunes Apple Podcast app. I'm Tanby. I'm Erin. This is CamdenCast. Cast.